technology in the vision store. About this long, right? About this long. And he had 12 holes drilled, just so precise, in that paddle. And he laid down on his bed.
that I trust will encourage us and be a help to us as we are involved with this area of encouragement, or Paul's heart, as he gives us the heart that he wants us to understand. And he's speaking not only to Timothy, but he's speaking to us today. He's speaking to Sunday school teachers. He's speaking to parents and homes. It's never, you know, the old adage for the coach. It's, it's always too soon to quit. It's sort of be the, the advice that Paul would give to us today. Father, as we spend these moments, Help us to realize that Paul was very much involved in helping individuals to understand how godly or how godliness works in their life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Three things I want you to notice with me this morning. First of all is a greeting. You'll find that in the first two verses. This greeting is extremely close to the greeting in 1 Timothy. Almost the same words. The words are almost the same. But there are some things that we need to think about significant as we look at this greeting by Paul. Paul, again, he addresses himself. He always puts his name first. This would be the, the way he would write a letter to the ancient world. He didn't put it at the end. He put it first. Good idea. Because I've said this before. But the first thing you do when you get letters, you look back up and see who wrote it to you. Just wait until it's back. And you just got to make sure you So they did this probably the right way. Paul. An apostle of Jesus Christ. He starts off by talking about his authority. An apostle. An apostle is one who has a call from God to do a job. Now, they passed out. That was our doctrinal statement here. This speaking of tongues is a sign for the apostolic age. That was that period before God's word was, was placed into the form we have it today. And he was giving signs to confirm upon certain individuals that they were truly God's children or God's messengers. And so here we find that he claims this apostleship. We're looking at Jude on Wednesday night. There he calls himself, or Jude calls himself a brother of James. So in a lot of ways, different people would address themselves as they were starting these epistles off. But he says, God is the one who placed me in this position by the will of God. What's the prepositional phrase? It's by the will of God. I didn't volunteer. I didn't say, yes, I'm ready. God put that charge in my life. God placed that on my heart. God is the one that gives to me this understanding. And so he says, I'm doing this by the will of God according to the promise of life, which is in Jesus Christ. You know, we've kind of maybe scrolled a little bit. Promise of life. This message that we hold today is the promise of life. many times we seem to miss that. But we hold a Bible that gives to us a promise of life from God forever. How to be right with Him. How to be in heaven with Him one day. And so, he's putting all of these things in this first verse. He says, this is my standing. And when we think about that, let me just review for you a second. You know, things aren't looking good for Paul. Uh, he's in a prison. Chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. This is not one of our local prisons. Uh, this would be a terrible place, probably a hole in the ground. That would have been tremendously difficult for him. And I'm sure after all of his beatings and all his shipwrecks and everything else, I'm sure his arthritis hurt him in this damn place. I mean, it would have been a, a terrible time for this guy. So he's writing this. And he's writing from probably the most desperate situation that he's faced in his life. And, and he's 
stood to be executed. Chapter 4 talks about this. His life would be over. He's alone because Demas abandoned him. He doesn't have Luke. Luke's gone someplace else. He wants Timothy to bring some articles. He wants him to bring a coat. Think about that. Just bring me a coat so I can be warm. And some books so I can keep studying. These parchments, the Old Testament. So he says, you know, he's in a desperate situation. But his concern here isn't about his situation. Well, that's a great thing. Most of our concerns are our own situation. How do I get out of this? How do I withstand this? Paul says, I'm concerned about you, Timothy. I'm concerned about all the church problems you're going to face. We looked at it in 1 Timothy. I'm concerned about how you're going to deliver things, how faithful you're going to be to the message. All those things. Now, 1 Timothy was a church man. How churches operate. 2 Timothy is mostly about Timothy. How to be strong in the Lord. And how to live your life in the Lord. It is his last will and testament. John Calvin stated this. 2 Timothy was written not with ink, but with the lifeblood of Paul. Think about that. He is writing this epistle with his lifeblood. It is actually being poured out. And Paul wants us to understand, or Timothy to understand, and us also, these responsibilities that God has placed on him. And so he says, I have been given this responsibility, this job by God, and it carries a great weight. Apostleship would carry a great weight upon him. And so after he is standing, he talks to his son in 2 Timothy, verse 2. My dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father, Christ our Lord. This is a little unique. Only 1st and 2nd Timothy have grace, mercy, and peace. The only two that have that. And so he's emphasizing here the mercy and grace and peace. But the mercy that God has upon him or given to him as well. But he calls him my dearly beloved son. They've been through a lot together. I gave you one of the devotions Acts chapter 16. You know, his background where he, where he was taken from mystery. That's the sin that Paul stumbled And it says there how well rewarded he is by the brothers. And uh, how he is one who was able to join the team with the Apostle Paul. And they went on the journeys together. And so, you know, he probably led him to the Lord. Or at least had some part of that because he calls him a beloved son. And there's no biological connection between the two. So this has to be a spiritual connection that he's talking about at this point. But he has this genuine loving concern for him and for others. And he's faced this time of his life. So he calls God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ together. And he says, I want you to understand where this is all coming from and who God, what God has done for me. So his greeting is pretty standard, but there's some features there that's important for us. Secondly, we find after he's greeted by his prayer, Verse 3 would be his prayer. And he starts off by giving a basis for his prayer. And he says, I thank God, whom I serve for my forefathers with pure conscience, that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers day and night. The basis of his prayer is the first part of verse 3. I thank God. I notice only through here that I'm looking at subjects and verbs. As I go through here, the, the, the pronoun becomes significant to me because 
for the next little while, we're going to see I, first person singular, over and over again. It's going to be I thank God, I serve, I have remembrance. Verse 4, I may be filled. Verse 5, I call remembrance. Verse 5, I am persuaded. Notice that very definite words that he's using. He's talking about some commands here. You know, he's talking about things that he's remembering, but he's also going to be very direct in this area as well. And so, here he is, waiting for execution. Criminals all around him, I'm sure. And he says, I'm thanking God. What does it take to cause you and I to lose our thankfulness to God? What has to happen in your life for you to become unthankful? You ever think about that? What has to come down the pipe to me and suddenly I start to... I'm really thankful for that. Your situation, I guarantee you something, is not worse than Paul's situation. I can't even describe it for you how bad this would be. They would stick food down the rope in the hole. You can imagine what kind of food it was. And yet he's thanking God. Our attitude is so important. And sometimes we get ourselves so involved in other things that we forget to thank God for what he's done. And let me tell you, I am so thankful to God today for what he's done for me. God's been so good. Amen. Amen. You ever think about the goodness of God in your life? Did you ever think about the fact that you have what you have, and especially if you're saved today, you ought to thank God incessantly. Every time I think about hell, I thank God, don't you? I'm hell and I'm going So we ought to thank God for these things. And I'm thanking God for this. Whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience. What did he call? Yes, but he says, I'm serving God in a way that has a pure conscience.
more and more of a challenge for us as believers to have this same conviction that we are not going to become socially accepted, not because of prosecution, but because of peer pressure and name calling. People today seem to get their wills accomplished by somehow demeaning others who do not agree with them. And we need to be sure that we have a clear conscience before God. Because, you know this, and I'm going to say it again, their standards are constantly in flux. Our standards are set on the stone of God's word where the anchor never fails. So our conscience must be pure. And the word pure is an interesting word. You know, as I, as I sink back over my life, I wonder if you ever have you ever done some evaluations of your life? I trust you do from time to time. We don't just sort of blunder through. As you get older, you probably do more evaluation than when you are younger. But you know what? There's a lot of blunder through. But you know, you look back over your life and you start thinking about how you were consistent with God's Word and what you did with God's Word and how you presented God's Word and your testimony and your witness to others. We're going to have a pure conscience because one day I'm going to stand before Him. You see that, Mr. Brooks?
young people raising children. We've got grandparents trying to be good examples. We've got we got single folks. We got we got all these. We need to pray for one another because all these folks are making decisions, and all these folks are going to face make decisions that will change the course of their life. Haven't you made some decisions in the past that you thought were very trivial, but they changed the course of your life spiritually? who are praying for 
journey back to Rome. He's going to go to Rome uh, at that point. Maybe this is the time that they got together. And it says at the end of that section, about 37, 38, it says, and they shed many tears together. I think he's going to remember those times whenever Paul gave those instructions to Timothy and the elders about what, what's going to happen and how the, the false doctors are going to come in and how they have to be true to the faith. Anyway, he says, we had some tears together. You know, shedding some tears together is not a bad thing. Whenever you have some difficult times. Somebody they don't even talk to, they just shed some tears. Sometimes the less said is better. Thing about plastic 
of your training and what God has done for you. Paul says, we serve together. We labor together. I've watched you grow up together. You know, I, we, were, we were on these journeys with missionaries, as missionaries, planning these churches. You were with me at Philippi. You were with me at Athens. You were with me at Corinth. You saw how God worked. I saw how you worked under pressure. Whatever Satan was attacking. And he says, I know what you're made of. And I know others are quick. Demas. Demas seemed to really hurt the apostle Paul. Because earlier on, he's put him in a position. And now he's turned his back on him. He says, they've quit. But Timothy, you've never quit. You never got discouraged and said, that's enough.
that I 